This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. Law and Institutional Reform Minister Datuk Sri Azalina Othman recently proposed that an independent commission be set up to safeguard the rights and well-being of children. Now, how might this commission function differently to the Office of the Child Commissioner parked under Suhakam, which is currently held by Professor Datuk Norazia Mohamad Awal? And what difference might a commission make for the landscape of children's rights and well-being here in Malaysia? Here to discuss today's topic, with me is Srividya Ganapati, lawyer and co-chairperson of CRIP Foundation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sri. Thank you for having me today, Suan. So, Sri, Law Minister um, Azalina Osman mooted this idea of an independent commission for children and in the news reports, she said that this would be more ideal than having a single commissioner. I guess, what are your thoughts on having such a commission and why is it more ideal? Okay, so that's a very good question. Um, actually, in answering that question, I would say that my, my thoughts are that um, I'm, I'm, I've always been recommending that we have um, an independent child commissioner um, and a formation of a child commission. And the independent child commissioner, uh, my recommendation, uh, as well as Crip Foundation's recommendation, of course, is that the child commissioner shall report directly to parliament. Uh, with very vast powers, including powers to to call and ask inquiries and investigations, to recommend policies, um, to recommend uh, to 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 chip in on um, on 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 all sorts of policy decisions when it comes to children, and not just within. You see, currently um, we have a landscape where all decisions that are affecting children um, are not just made by one body in Malaysia, right? So we have the Women's Ministry, KPWPM, mm-hmm. and they are in. Uh, they have the Welfare Department parked under them. Um, and they also do a lot of um, Child Act monitoring and, and, um, and functions under the Child Act, okay? But of course, we also have the Education Ministry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that the Education Ministry governs how children are educated in Malaysia. But we also have every other government department would have powers over children, immigration, uh, GPN, registration, uh, police, um, the courts, like children are in courts, the children are arrested, children um, go to hospitals, the Ministry of Health is involved. So really, Every, because children are just smaller humans, every um, department of government, road transport, if if there's no access to, to schools because the roads are not uh, proper, children can't go to school. So every aspect of government concerns children. But how we operate currently in Malaysia is, um, although we are uh, a signatory to the Convention on the Rights of the Child, the signatory obligations are part purely under KPWKM, mm-hmm. meaning to say KPWKM is the person that the, the the organization that is supposed to report to the to the international organizations on our uh, convention responsibilities, right? Um, and that means that all these different organizations make various different laws and policies that affect children. And there's no one regulatory body that oversees this, these functions to say, hang on, that's not really um, in, in line with the Convention on the Rights of the Child or your policies are different. Uh, for example, statistics. 
if you look at statistics provided by the, uh, the National uh, Statistics Department, they will have ages up to 16, and then they'll have 17 to 21. But under the Convention on the Rights of the Child, uh, a child is someone under the age of 18. So, you know, even something as simple as what is the definition of a child and whether we have those statistics, they are problematic. If you look at Ministry of Health statistics, again, they will stop at 16. And then there's a next batch of statistics from 17 to 21, purely because as doctors, they look at it and they think uh, the body of a 16-year-old and then the body of a 17-year-old to a 21-year-old, probably. But so there's a lot of this overlapping. So what we are proposing is a child commission that can um, firstly look at our international obligations and make recommendations for their effective implementation within Malaysia with the best interests of children, assess and advise various government agencies about the impact on children and families when changes in policy are proposed or when pro policies are problematic, um, advice on setting up of nationally agreed outcomes for children and how they might be better achieved and monitored. Like So now we have Ministry of Health that will have um, policies and outcomes, what we want children to have. Mm -hmm. And um, and then the, you will have um, Ministry of Education also with policies, right? We don't have a cohesive national uh, bonding kind of... And, and I'm not saying that the child commissioner will be making those policies. What I'm saying is the recommendation that we are making... Um, the child commissioner can advise, can oversee, and can actually then uh, call ministries up and say, you know, um, maybe you can rethink this because this is how it goes. And because of that, because we want the child commission to have those kind of overarching powers and functions, clearly they cannot come under any government department mm -hmm. or ministry, you know. Mm -hmm. The only way that it can work is if they can report directly to parliament. Mm. Um, and this is a recommendation that was actually made by the Bar Council to the Council of Esteemed Lead, uh, Persons in 2018 when Pakatan Harapan first took on, um, at, came on as government. Um, it was a, at that time when, when that, that uh, recommendation was made, Pakatan Harapan, uh, I, I'm, I'm told, I'm, I'm reliably told, they liked the idea but there were budgetary concerns and there were also uh, issues about how do we implement it because it can't be parked under one ministry. You can't put a child commissioner under the KPWKM, for example, mm -hmm. have the child commissioner rely on KPWKM's budget and then uh, call other ministers up or other departments up and say, okay, this is not really correct. You know, this is what we should be doing. Or let's work together on this. So in terms of that, so because they had those issues, I'm reliably informed that uh, the decision was made to actually create the function, uh, formation of a child commission and park it under Suhakam purely because they felt it was important, mm -hmm. it was necessary, but there were all these constraints in place. Um, of course, in the last few years, we've seen many changes in government. But one of the things that happened was uh, Datuk Sri Azalina was heading the Parliamentary Special Select Committee on Women and Children. Mm -hmm. And she was heading that. And, and the Parliamentary Special Select Committee, um, I, I'm not sure whether audiences are aware, is actually made up of members of parliaments from all political parties that are interested in children and women. So the Parliamentary Special Select Committee actually um, then took it on board that 
they, the, the child commission should be formed and an independent child commissioner should be appointed. And they actually started uh, looking at recommendations. There were some um, stakeholder meetings where the, this was discussed. I was uh, one of the persons who was consulting on it. And um, now that Dato Sri Azalina is a minister in the law department, I'm, I'm really heartened by her announcement. Um, I, I do think that if we move forward on this, we can do so much of, we can make so much of a difference to children in Malaysia. Hmm. Now, you mentioned the, um, we both mentioned the office of the Child Commissioner parked under Suhakam, right? But what difference would it make to have a separate independent child commission? And I guess from there, right, what are actually the gaps that you've seen with having a child commissioner parked under Suhakam? Right. Uh, straight off the bat, um, the, the child commissioner parked under Suhakam does not have any of the powers that I was talking about. She cannot investigate um, she can she can make recommendations, mm -hmm. but really, uh, if you speak to Prof. Azia, she will also tell you that she's challenged because um, she doesn't really think that people are actually taking the recommendations and implementing them. Um, and her budget is a very small budget that is under Suhaka. So she, of course, has a limited uh, team under her and they can't go out there and actually investigate. They cannot... Uh, they cannot um, work on research, they cannot actually, um, she, what she does well is she advocates for child interest, child rights and welfare. As a general thing, she does. But that's only a very small uh, aspect of the Office of the Child Commission. And you know, this new, this is like a unicorn that we are we are promoting or Dato Sri Azalina is promoting. It mm -hmm. has been done around the world in many jurisdictions. So the UK has got a child commission, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and India. And really, the purpose that the appointment of a child commissioner who's uh, reporting directly to parliament, right, is that they would regulate and supervise the various state agencies dealing with children and ensure that there is cohesion and that um, and they will play a role in proposing reforms and compliance as well, you know. Um, just to give an to give people like an idea of the kind of problems that we face now. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember that, I, I mean, I'm sure that all listeners will remember the case of the Tafi school fire that broke out a few years ago where many children died, right? When that case happened, um, if you look at newspaper articles, the education ministry actually came and said, uh, actually, this school is not... Uh, Tafi schools are not regulated by the education ministry. Tafi schools are regulated by state authorities. Mm -hmm. So education ministry said this is not our fault, right? Uh, the, Taf the state religious authority said, yes, Tafi schools are registered under the, uh, under the state, but this school was not registered with us. So we, we did not know about this school. Um, the fire department came and said, this school was not registered with us. So we, you know, they and they did not follow fire safety standards. And the police said, uh, oh, we, we don't know anything about it. We they, So the final outcome, police investigated that, found a couple of children who were, who had started the fire. Mm -hmm. And the entire, um, the entire fault then was placed on, and the blame was placed on those children. But really... How do we come to a situation where we have a school governing education of children and no authority is actually overlooking that? How do we have a situation in Malaysia, which is 
such a developed country. But then we have situations where we have buildings where our children are studying and they are not registered with the fire department or the police. How can that be, right? And if you had a child commissioner, a child commissioner can actually look into these kind of things, investigate, and then make policy recommendations that will have some power. And you see, we must be encouraged by the fact that the government is saying we want to set up a child commission. Mm -hmm. So if the government is saying they're going to set up a child commission, it means that they are taking this thing very seriously and they will then take those policies and those recommendations and implement them as well, right? I mean, at least I hope so. Mm. Yes. So we want to avoid a, a, another situation like this. And the sad thing is, in the last six years or so since that fire, situations have not changed. There are still many unregistered schools. There are still many schools and buildings where children study, where fire department and, and health safety um, regulations are not imposed. And this is the safety of our children, of Malaysia's children we're talking about, right? It shouldn't be taken lightly. We should be taking this seriously, doing what we can. As I said, you know, children are just smaller humans. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, they are vulnerable and they need our protection because they don't have, they're given limited capacity, limited voice to participate, to say, look, I need this, or, or to say, to demand, look, how come I'm in a building which is not safe, right? So, so we because they are vulnerable, we need to provide them with that kind of protection. And our obligations, our state obligations under the Convention of the Rights of the Child say that we must take those precautions in respect of every child in Malaysia. Hmm. All right. We'll go for a quick break now, Sri, and continue this discussion when we come back. You know, I do have quite a few more things I want to dive into with you about the um, possibility of such a commission being set up. I'm speaking today to Srividya Ganapati, co-chairperson of Crip Foundation, and we are discussing the recent proposal by Law and Institutional Reform Minister, Dato Sri Azalina Osman, about the um, about an independent commission to be set up to safeguard the rights and well-being of children. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. On the show with me today is Srividya Ganapati, co-chairperson of Crip Foundation. And we have been discussing the proposal for an independent commission um, to safeguard the rights and well-being of children to be set up. And this was mooted by Law and Institutional Reform Minister Datuk Sri Azalina Osman. Now, we before the break, Sri has been talking about how um, about what the functions of such a commission might look like and how it's different and how it should be different compared to what the powers and what the scope of powers that the current child commissioner parked under Suhakam has. Now, Sri, would the setup of an independent commission for children, would that essentially be a complement to Suhakam? No, not at all. Um, I mean, Suhakam is essentially um, a watchdog mm -hmm. for human rights. That's all it is, right? They are a watchdog for human rights. They make recommendations, but they do not have um, the powers to investigate. They do not have the powers to uh, call witnesses or to inquire. They, you know, you, uh, they can't ask a, a minister or a ministry official to come and report to them about policies. Mm. Uh, and one of the things that we want the child commissioner to do is, for example, uh, present reports on issues to courts or, or, or you know, if there are contentious 
uh, matters in court regarding children. For example, we've had over the last few years, we've seen cases where children have been converted um, without the, the knowledge of the parents. We've seen cases where uh, parties have actually applied for nationality of children. We've, we've seen cases where uh, citizenship of children. We've, we've seen cases where uh, the Bin Abdullah case where um, a child uh, sued the JPN because his legitimate father's name was not put on his uh, birth certificate because he was born out of wedlock. Um, and in all of these cases, right, before the court, the child commissioner could actually come on board and recommend and, and give uh, reports and, and actually advise. You know, that, that would be one of the powers of a child commissioner. Um, one of the things that we're looking at is the Sexual Offences Against Children Act and whether we can tighten that. We're looking at um, how children are represented in court and how children are protected in court uh, when they are, for example, victims of child sexual abuse and exploitation. The, uh, the Parliamentary Special Select Committee, for example, came out with a, a roadmap in 2022, in June or July 2022. And like things like those things, to implement them, to make sure that the, the implementation of any such policies are followed through by different departments. I mean, Suhakam just does not have those kind of powers. Mm. May I clarify though, I mean, we've heard, uh, we've read reports of Suhakam, I guess, conducting their own investigations. I guess, what, how, how is that different from what you're talking about? Suhakam carries out investigations in their capacity as watchdogs for human rights. But um, if you speak to, to Suhakam and you speak to the commissioners there, you realise, and if you look at newspaper reports also, they recommend, they make very strong recommendations Mm -hmm. their investigations are sound but um, it's a question of how far those recommendations are implemented and enforced by government and that's where we find the gaps you know um, their powers fall short of forcing people to take action or or forcing um, and you know they are not uh, given that kind of status I think by the government ministries and departments and really um, as I said earlier the fact that the government is setting this up, that the fact that the government is actually um, promoting this idea and actually setting up an independent body, right, mm -hmm. answerable to parliament. You see, what does it mean when it's an independent body answerable to parliament, right? Um, it's something like the MACC, for mm -hmm. example. The MACC can investigate, the MACC can report, you know, the MACC reports to parliament. Um, and if you look at those two bodies, would you think that Suhakam and MACC are on the same level playing field? They're really not, right? Exactly. So a child commissioner would definitely need more powers than Suhakam and its act can uh, provide them with. Mm. So what are some of those safeguards that we can or we should put in place to ensure that such a commission would be independent? I mean, for it to be independent, it cannot fall under any minister or ministry except the prime minister's office. That's my recommendation. Mm -hmm. And it should have its own budget. So how can I, for example, how can I call out the education ministry or uh, the police on, on any action if I'm relying on them for my budgets for training, for my budgets for, for salaries? You know what I mean? 
Um, and in other jurisdictions, that's how the, the mechanisms have been. So they, they report directly to parliament. So parliament will look and inquire into their reports. Their reports would be public. Um, and they are, um, it's a lot of these things are about budget, mm-hmm. right? We, we want training. Again, it comes into budget. Has, has there been a budget in place for, for training? So the budget also must be an independent budget that is not affected, for example, by KPWKM or the education ministry or, or the police or, or whoever, you know, the budget would entirely be under parliament. Mm. And what about, I guess, membership of such a commission, right? Because if it's not under any particular man- ministry, how would people be appointed to such a commission? They would be independent appointments, obviously. Yes, they would not be, they would not be government servants or I'm not, yes. I mean, we are still looking into the mechanisms, Mm -hmm. but my recommendation would, of course, be um, just as judges are independent, Mm -hmm. the child commissioner must be independent too. Mm. All right. Now, we've been talking a bit about ministries and and, and I'm I'm remembering something that was quite interesting, which also happened about a couple of weeks ago where the um, Minister for Women, Family and Community Development, YB Nancy Shukri, mentioned that she's looking into setting up a specific department or institution for children under her ministry um, instead of children's issues continuing to be parked under the Department of Social Welfare. If I understand correctly, Sri, that means that such a department would be involved in government affairs when it comes to policy issues relating to children versus a commission which is independent and can investigate and can advocate into child issues. Is that right? Um, you're, uh, you're slightly right. But you see, currently, mm-hmm. um, KPWKM deals with, um, has, a, has a limited budget, mm-hmm. has a limited budget. You can speak to, uh, for example, YB Hanayo, who was the deputy minister there, and she will confirm this. They have a limited budget but they do so many things. So they do community, they do social welfare, they do women, they do children, right? And they cope with all of that with their limited budget. Mm-hmm. And for example, we now have, within this country, we have, um, and that, I mean, um, East Coast, West Coast, Sabah, Sarawak. Um, we only have 80 child protectors. Um, because it is, such a limited budget, and because we have so few child protectors, very often children are, you know, are just sidelined. The, the issues about children are just sidelined because it's just a problem in terms of training, in terms of appointments. They can't appoint, they would like to appoint so many more child protectors. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the budget for it. They don't have the budget for training, they don't have the budget for appointments. And the framework doesn't allow for more people to be appointed also. But you see, a child protector is supposed to step in as soon as a child is believed to be um, in a situation of danger, you know, mm-hmm. um, need of care and protection. And then there's supposed to be a follow-up for that child from the beginning to the end. But, you know, um, the reality of it is these child protectors are so passionate about taking care of children they are really, really interested in 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 the in the welfare of the children in their care, but they are limited by the by the numbers by the sheer numbers that are thrown at them. You know, they've got assistant child protectors, but again, very limited, very less training, and, and it's a problem. And I can tell you, some, it's it's as simple as this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm also a lawyer, right? And um, occasionally I have had to I've had to go to child court. Um, I remember, like, so even for adoption matters. 
the JKM will, will be in charge. They will be handling the child until the child is adopted legally. Um, and I remember there was once when I went to um, court and it, the, the child protector from JKM came in with a baby. Um, and she's holding the baby, you know, and she needed to go to the bathroom. And she did not have uh, a cradle. Uh, she didn't have anywhere to put the child in. And she didn't have anyone with her accompanying her to help her with the baby. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a she's a child protector. She's in court. And there are there were, I think, 30 cases that day. She was handling 30 different children that day. But she also had this little baby that she had um, to sort out adoption papers for. They don't even have budgets for cradles and things like that, or not enough, mm-hmm. you know? And 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 it's something as simple as that, you know? And, and they really, really are stretched. So if I, I welcome the the um, announcement by uh, YB Nancy, and I think that will be a real step in the right direction for KPWKF because what it then means is all the issues affecting children that are currently handled by various departments in KPWKM can be put together in one place and those people can just concentrate purely on children mm-hmm. without dealing with other issues. But that is nothing to do with the Child Commission. Mm. What changes might having a Child Commission bring to the landscape of child rights protection and welfare here in Malaysia? I think that it would do wonders because um, currently, as I said earlier, right, we don't have cohesive policies. We have very well-meaning policies uh, by various departments, but they're not cohesive and they're not coherently put together. Mm -hmm. For example, if it's a, a, a child that is found without documentation, I have had personally reports by uh, judges and magistrates in Sabah um, who tell me that very frequently they have children that are brought before the courts um, that are arrested on their way between home and their learning centres uh, because they are undocumented. It's a, it's a huge problem in Sabah, that a, a very large undocumented community and a lot of NGOs and very caring people have set up various learning centers there. And children travel from their kampongs or wherever to these learning centers. And en route, in transit, they are detained. When they are detained by the police, these children are thought by their parents, I guess, not to disclose where they come from, right? But they also don't have any documentation. And the judges have told me in Sabah that sometimes these children are in police lockup for 40 days, 50 days, just in lockup before they're produced before the courts, purely because the court is stretched, they need time to to, to have people before the courts. Um, uh, prisons, you know, um, as a lawyer, you know, we, we go to court, sometimes we take postponements, we take another mention date and we'll come back. Mm-hmm. I went to prison, went to a correctional facility and there was this really cute boy, he was 16, uh, his mom sells nasi lemak and uh, he was arrested because to help his mom, uh, he told me, I nak tolong ibu ka. So he was selling uh, ganja, I think. And he got arrested. And he said, ka, I met him in November, I think. And he said, ka, kes saya ditunggak ka, uh, sebutan sekarang kes bulan dua. I said, oh, as a lawyer, right? I'm like, ah, yalah, that's how it happens, you know. Because we all the lawyers need their time, their diaries to match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, bulan dua. And then he said, sungguh susah ka. I said, why? Yeah? And then he said, saya tak dapat peluk ibu sebab ada glass. 
saya hanya boleh peluk dia di mahkamah. You know, I mean, seriously, it broke my heart. I mean, we don't think about it that way. In other jurisdictions, right, the 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 courts tell me that only 10% of children who are arrested are produced in court. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they find alternative solutions for these children. Because the moment a child is arrested, right, it's not because the child is naughty. There is some underlying problem. There is some issue that has resulted in this child being where he is. And in other jurisdictions, they actually look at those and find solutions. Mm. And this is where I wish we can go with the Child Commission. Mm. So a Child Commission would be able to look into all these issues that you've spoken about and make much recommendations, more. Make research, look at other jurisdictions, come back and say, look, maybe this is how we want to look at children in courts. You know, this is how we want to look at children in prisons. This is how we want to look at children in police. Hmm. All right. Thank you so much, Sri. And hopefully, you know, we will be seeing more progress with um, this proposal by um, Datuk Sri Azalina Othman. I think a lot of us are hopeful that we are seeing steps forward when it comes to um, children's issues and children's well-being. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I've been speaking to Srividya Ganapati, lawyer and co-chairperson of Crip Foundation, about the proposal by Law and Institutional Reform Minister Datuk Sri Azalina Uthman about an independent commission to be set up to safeguard the rights and well-being of children. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcasts on bfm.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suan and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.